Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening, and welcome to Foman About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we co-host this weekly journey through all things fermented, every Monday night live at 7 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It's also archived on, archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher. Yep. So check it out if you're not listening to it right now, but you are, because here's my voice. Mary, what's going on in the world? <laughs> First of all, we have a fundraiser for New York City Beer Week that's being put on by the New York City Brewers Guild. That will take place on December 5th at Brooklyn Brewery. There's a link to get tickets on Brooklyn Brewery's website. There will be information at NewYorkCityBrewersGuild.com, but there will also be information at FemenAboutIt.com. Um, tickets are about half, halfway sold out. There's going to be all the, all the guild members are going to be serving their beer, uh, some pretty fun and special beers. I'll be serving a uh, the Imperial Darm Stout, which I brewed with my friend Ray Darmstadt from uh, um, St. Gambrinus Beer Shop. And also Honey Brew Brew using local honey uh, from Wilk Apiary. I'm very excited about that. But also we're serving the food there. So we'll be doing bulgogi, bulgogi sliders from 508 Gastro Brew. Awesome. The beer list, they put a, a, a preliminary beer list up and it's pretty killer. So. And if you're not available for it, please, please buy tickets for your friends or something. And just send them there because this is what uh, this is our fundraiser to help uh, New York City Beer Week uh, go through in, in February. The dates of which are February 21st to March 2nd. And then on Sunday following that, December 8th, we will be having our Chocolate and Spice Home Fermentation Fest that we're putting on with Jimmy's Number 43 and Divine Chocolate. So that's open to anybody that home ferments. You can either use a cocoa or chocolate from Divine, which um, we will provide free of charge. Just shoot us an email or tweet at us or whatever. Um, Or you can use any kind of spice. So alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Um, food or beverage, anything fermented is fair game as long as it either has divine cocoa or chocolate or any type of spice. What kind of things fermented are we talking about? Anything. Uh, so, uh, so it could. What are you bringing, beer. Chris? Oh, I'm bringing. A, I'm bringing a uh, <laughs> divine cocoa for coconuts cream ale. So I brewed it with divine cocoa, and I'm throwing some toasted coconuts in there, and it's a cream ale. So hopefully it'll be uh, deceptive. It'll be bright awesome. in color. Now I'm going to make a cocoa short mead. But other people are going to hopefully bring. We'll have beer. We'll have mead. We'll have. Uh, uh, we have some bread products. We have some right? bread products. We have some whey fermented sodas. We have some fermented sodas. Um, it runs down all the list of fermented stuff all the way to kombucha. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. What I is kombucha? Today's <laughs> yeah. show is all about Which kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very fortunate to have Jessica Childs from Kombucha Brooklyn in the studio. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So I, I mean, we've. 
Well, first of all, how long has Kombucha Brooklyn been around? When did you guys start? Kombucha Brooklyn has been around for about four and a half years. Um, I actually met my partner right as he was starting it. So he probably started a little bit before, I should say, he did start a little bit before I came on. So it was started and then I came on and we've been in business for about four and a half years. And we see it all over town. I think I've seen it at, you know, various grocery stores that do growler fills. Mm-hmm. Or I just had a glass at uh, Taproom 307. Awesome. Last week. It was so delicious. you guys are kegging. We yeah. are kegging. We are kegging kombucha. We have kombucha in bottles. We are just switched actually from a 16 ounce, which we thought was a little bit too big to drink on one sitting, to a 12 ounce bottle, which you beer drinkers may be more comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have a complete line of homebrew supplies. So we have kind of three legs to our kombucha vision and newest to that and complimentary is your excellent new book called Kombucha. With an exclamation point. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Don't forget about the it. exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I've had your, I had had your kombucha several times um, over the years, but I had never made it out to where you guys have your production facility. The kombucha and lab. your office, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I went to, you have a monthly happy hour. So mm-hmm. it's in the old Pfizer building that's now a kind of a kitchen incubator. That's right. For the most part. That's Small right. business, food mm-hmm. and beverage incubator. Um, it's really a fantastic. It's a location. wonderful place. It's a wonderful place <laughs> yeah. full of really in- inspired people. And you guys, so I went to your monthly happy hour there, mm-hmm. where you first have, Tuesdays five to seven. It's listen, you have to go. Everybody who's listening <laughs> to this, if you're in Brooklyn or Manhattan or New York City area, you have to go. It's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. You guys usually have a couple of kombuchas on, yep. um, and so you get a chance to try them. It's very inexpensive. You know, kind of pay what you. That's right. Pay we have cups there, so it's, yep. And then you guys usually have a beer on tap as well mm-hmm, for the parties. And then you can get a tour of their Scooby Farm, yep. which is awesome. Yes, <laughs> we're very proud of it. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a picture that we'll post on our site later that I took last time I was there. Oh, great! You I send us a link. How definitely. big is this farm? Oh, you know, it's several acres. No, <laughs> it's, it's um. Let's see, probably what eight by. Five by four cube. Feet. Eight. Yeah. Five, eight by four. five by yes, four. Yes, not inches, cool. not right. acres. Right. <laughs> and they're shelves, and so it's, it's yeah. right. Kombucha stacked. stacked. That's yeah. right. We have big, big big vessels, little vessels, middle-sized vessels, all kinds of sizes, scobies, and different, uh, different sweeteners are trained to, and... You know, different things we're kind of playing with in there. So now we've we've talked about what scobies are before, but in case anybody hadn't heard those, what is a scoby? A scoby is a fascinating creature. <laughs> it's a symbiotic culture or colony of bacteria and yeast. It's an acronym: mm-hmm. symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. And it's um, it's really in the in the book you can read all about it. But I'll give you a little short glimpse into the crazy mind of of us. Um, the scoby has a, a a very sophisticated architecture. If you if you look at it um, layer by layer, there's different species that are living in different layers. Okay, so I should go back. A scoby is the, is the pancake like kind of gelatinous thing that, that looks like an alien life form that looks exactly like an alien <laughs> life form crossed with a jellyfish, <laughs> exactly, or some seaweed. Right. Um, which I think is where the name come from, is the, the look of this thing. Yeah. Kombu is a kind of seaweed, and some people may think oh. it looks like seaweed. Oh. Um, so anyway, it's, it's this kind of thick patty, and, uh, and it looks just like one uniform little thingy. But if you look at it under a microscope, it has these beautiful channels where, where, where liquids are passed from one layer to the next, and like air channels. So it's a really sophisticated kind of interaction of different species of bacteria and yeast. So they form this um, cellulose kind of network that they can do their business on. And uh, one fascinating thing that, uh, that I kind of love about it is if, you, if you're looking at um, 
like biodiversity. And as a, as a scientist, you'll know this too. Um, the, the greatest biodiversity is always at the edges of things. So like where the liquid meets the air is where the SCOBY grows. It's just, it's kind of a, a neat way of looking at it. Definitely. So let's talk about base, what kombucha is. So you're starting with this symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Mm-hmm. So both the, so, and what kind of substrate are we talking about? So for all you homebrewers out there, your substrate is wort or, you know, basically a, um, a sugar solution that's created with malted barley and wheat and rye. Grains. Mm-hmm. Right. So kombucha, the, one of the major differences is that you're not fermenting like a malted barley or barley-based beverage. You're fermenting. We're fermenting with tea and sugar or a sugar source. Um, so so the, the basic kombucha recipe is black tea and cane sugar. Um, there's, there's, there's many variations on that. You can, you know, our, our favorite uh, kind of way to brew is to use a blend of black, green, and white teas. It brings out all the different uh, wonderful flavor characteristics that that uh, that the tea uh, makers of many many generations past have learned how to cultivate and uh, and treat, uh, so you can get florality and the minerality and the, and the deep tannins of the black tea, and you mix it together and you throw some sugar in there like uh, cane sugar, or you can use honey for, um, or you can use molasses. You can use different sweeteners, but different cultures. Um, thrive in those different sweeteners, right? So you, if you take a cane sugar trained colony or, or scoby and throw it into something like a honey brew, it may have a hard time getting on its legs in there because the honey has a lot of antimicrobial properties. So the basic kombucha recipe that we teach at first is just the tea and the sugar with mm-hmm. the culture. And then in your book, so that's kind of the basics. That's what we'll, most of us know when we go out and drink kombucha or buy basic kombucha. Then there's also flavored kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's one of the things that I love about this book. So I've made kombucha before. I made kombucha several years ago. I kind of went on hiatus. I recently got a June scoby from you guys. Mm. So actually, let's since I mentioned that, what mm-hmm. it, June scoby is. A honey-trained scoby. Right. And it's it a, mm-hmm. can be used any tea, but oftentimes they would use green tea. Or so, does it? Well, there's um, there are uh, compounds in the uh, the the Camilla sinensis plant that the the, uh, the scoby needs. So mm-hmm. you can use um, black tea, green tea, or white tea. Black tea has the most dense of those, so that it's going to be healthiest and most robust. So you're talking like nu- like micronutrients, basically. That's right. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and a green tea, it's going to it's going to be fine. And a white tea, you you're, you're going to need to cycle it through a green or a black every once in a while to keep it really robust. Okay. Yeah. Can you teach an old SCOBY new trick? You sure can. You can <laughs> teach an old SCOBY so, all kinds of new so, tricks. <laughs> so this June SCOBY, we could retrain for sugar or different Yeah, sugars, if, right? I, I would. And you know, how we, many generations would it take? It, it depends on the sweetener and, and how kind of like raw and funky it is, right? If you're getting like a really raw honey that hasn't been pasteurized or hasn't been purified, you're going to get a lot, a lot more of the antimicrobial properties in there. Mm-hmm. So it depends on exactly what you're using. That being said, I do have a piece of advice for you. If you're trying to train a SCOBY to something, definitely keep your kind of standard batch going side by side. Because if you totally screw up the, the experiment, you can always just start over again. So know? basically you would start with your, your SCOBY mother, mm-hmm. which is, and then once it has this baby where you can kind of peel off this mm-hmm. matrix that is formed mm-hmm. that, you know, where you can peel that off. So go ahead and use like either the baby 
for your for your nude retraining. What do you mean peel off? Would you peel it off or would you cut the scoby? So uh, scobies, you, you, when you when you inoculate a batch, you're going to put a scoby inside, and every time you ferment another batch, a new scoby is going to go on the surface. So sometimes that 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 scoby that you inoculated with may be kind of riding close to it, and they may connect. That doesn't always happen, though. You may end up with your scoby still kind of floating around the bottom or in the middle, and you'll have your free scoby up top. But they're usually very easy to separate if they connect because. Um, you know, the, the new SCOBY is like where all the action is and it's kind of got its own, it's like a teenager, you know, it's like, mom, get away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it definitely has, I mean, when you look at it, you can definitely tell a difference between the new form mm-hmm. SCOBY and the, the mm-hmm. mother SCOBY. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your, some of your favorite things about kombucha? Like, what attracted you to kombucha? So what attracted me to kombucha was that I was in this phase of my life where I, um, well, okay, I'm I'm a molecular biologist, I'm a microbiologist, I I really, I love science, I love being able to kind of get to know things on a granular level. And, I, and I'm a foodie. I really like food. And I said to my, you know, I was like, wow, you can actually ferment this stuff in your kitchen. I, it was when I first got into fermentation. I think it was the first ferment I ever made. And, uh, and since then, I haven't found a, an easier-to-make ferment. I mean, it is really the easiest ferment out there. You don't need any special equipment. You don't need, you know, all you need to do is just boil some water and throw some stuff in there and then leave it alone. You know, it's not like... You know, your yogurts or your sauerkraut, you know, sauerkraut, you have to like break into little bits of your fingers and it gets painful. Yogurt, you need a dehydrator or a yogurt, you know, inocular, I mean, uh, incubator or something. Uh, but kombucha just sits on your shelf. Um, so I started making it because I was, you know, really interested. And, uh, and, and I didn't really realize the profound effect it would have on me when I started. Um, I had traveled a lot when I was younger. I traveled to different countries and I, and I ate a lot of uh, probably questionable things from <laughs> street vendors. And over all this time, I just sort of developed a, a yucky belly, I'll say. It was, re- it was kind of painful. Every day after lunch, I would just have this kind of, you know, this period of like two or three hours where I felt awful. And I, you know, I couldn't do a lot of normal things. Like I couldn't drink coffee to save my, I mean, it was, it was terrible what would happen when I drank coffee. I'm it, and it was it was like hours later. I would just be bowled over in pain. So when I started drinking kombucha, I did it because I was just excited about, well, I can, you know, culture stuff in my kitchen. Um, but then after I started drinking it a little while, I realized that some of those stomach things that I had been experiencing had been kind of alleviated. Um, and I started, you know, thinking about it, looking into it a little bit more, and I and I and I, I became a believer. I guess I became a believer that in fermented foods and in uh, in eating as though we are not separate from our ecosystem. Uh, and, I, and so that's, that's really where the passion comes from, is that you know, I, I think that kombucha is, is one of many really wonderful things that humans can do to make their lives better and to take control of things that have been kind of taken away from them by the industrial food system. Mm-hmm. And it's also delicious. And it is. <laughs> and, and oh my gosh, is it delicious. I have to say that we, we just uh, launched a new bottle program, these 12-ounce bottles. And in that, we have, we've really just nailed a wonderful, healthy, and, and delicious beverage. I mean, like, I liked our old bottles a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, whatever. Um, I loved him. But these 12-ounce bottles, I get up in the morning, I'm like, I need a bottle of kombucha now. <laughs> I was, it, it's just, I mean, Wow. We have we have taken kombucha to a whole nother level now. That's awesome. Some yeah. certified kosher, right? Yes, they are. They are. Um, they are. They're, they're Orthodox Union. That's yeah. like the highest level of of uh, kosherness. That's <laughs> Very cool. pretty awesome. And they're all organic too. We have to take a quick break. Do it, and we're going to yeah. come back. Let's okay. men about it. Feel men about it. Feel men about it. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. You know, there's no more telling aspect, no more revealing virtue of a group of people having evolved in a lovely way than how they feed themselves, how they entertain, how they put food on the table, what they put on the table. Heritage Radio Network provides the clearest evidence that there's hope for us yet. Heritage Radio is like Fairway Market in that we both care deeply about what you're having for dinner tonight. Heritage Radio Network is not just about food, though. Every time I tune in, I learn something about things other than food, too architecture, design, stuff like that. But from where I stand, I still say, if you can't eat it, what's the point? For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Welcome back to Foment About, About it. it on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> so we're in the studio today with Jessica Childs, co-owner of Kombucha Brooklyn and author, co-author of the excellent new book, Kombucha, with an exclamation point. That's right. <laughs> All and written out. No, wait. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've talked a little bit Very about, right, you know, yes. what kombucha is and what, you know, how you make it. This book is actually pretty amazing. I mean, like I said, I've made kombucha before. I also do water kefir. I've done a lot of, you know, whey fermented sodas, all kinds of different fermentations. Um, but this really goes into depth. I don't think, I mean, it's an excellent, excellent source. And I actually learned a lot of tips from reading it. Oh. One of the things is when, so for those of you who are kombucha makers out there, and you have your SCOBY, and it's been around a while, and sometimes you like, you know, you'll, pick it up or you look at it in the in your jar and it'll have these stringy things hanging off so mm-hmm. what are those stringy things those stringy things are um essentially large long lustrous clusters of yeast yeast as you brewers will know likes to kind of stick this is going to be kind of strange but kind of head to butt they make these like head to butt chains and mm-hmm. and go on and on like that um so those those strands are just that they're a bunch of you know you can think of them as like at the circus they have those elephants that tie their little noses around the tails of the one in front of it and it's really ridiculous and sad but at least it's just yeast and you know you're not torturing them to do tricks for you this is their natural way of being <laughs> so i thought that was very interesting. The other thing is, I know in the past when I kept kombucha that occasionally I would get really lazy. Or, you know, we all get caught up in life, and I would let my kombucha go too long, and it would become very vinegar. Yes, that happens. That definitely that even happens to professionals <laughs> <laughs> in my own kitchen, which is probably why we ended up writing this book. <laughs> to be honest, the uh, the the yes, when you leave it for too long, there are many many options. Number one, if you want to drink it like a beverage, like the beverage you intended to make, you um, can do this beautiful thing where you just brew more tea and sugar, like a sweetened tea, and you blend it with your overly acidified kombucha and bottle it. This is going to give you um, wonderful effervescence in the bottles. So what you're going to do is you're going to blend it, you're going to leave it on the counter for a day or two, and let it continue to ferment. It'll give it more fuel, so it'll keep fermenting, it'll balance out the acids, and uh, and it gives you the, that nice bubbles. And you could, so that's kind of like, like you could compare it to bottling, bottle conditioning in a beer. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times if you have, especially certain types of beer, um, you might add 
definitely priming sugar and or yeast mm-hmm. at, at the time of bottling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. It's, You're basically adding more food. Yep. That's exactly um, right. Now, there's a couple consequences of that. I mean, obviously, it's going to cut down your your um, vinegar because once it gets in the bottle, there's not going to be any oxygen. Mm-hmm. So the acido bacter which mm-hmm. is causing that you know producing the acetic acid isn't going to thrive so it'll probably i imagine other compounds are, compounds are formed instead how long do you uh, secondary ferment beer in a bottle when you do that i would say a minimum of two weeks okay so with because you're basically trying to get carbonation that's the main main goal of a <clears throat> of a home brewer mm-hmm. bottle conditioning i gotcha yeah okay so that that's, that's on the temperature though too yeah, okay. absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why you do this with kombucha as well, is to get those bubbles. Um, that being said, you, it's a much shorter process. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like two to three days. So I, I, I'm, I've never, I haven't done the test, but I assume there's enough dissolved gases in there to carry the oxygen through. They're, right. not, they're, they're not running out like that. Yeah. Because it does, it will continue to become more and more acidic if you leave it out on the, you know, if you leave it out for too long again, if you feel you're overly acidic and you throw it in there and just leave it out for a week or two, it's going to become vinegar again mm-hmm. in there. Um, and the other thing that I was inter- that I thought was interesting is that when you guys talk about secondary ferments, sometimes you can you're talking about doing very long secondary ferments. Like, and I think it was compared to you guys compared it to lagering mm-hmm. as in a beer. That's right. So that. A lot of times, you know, it can kind of, this long conditioning at lower temperatures mm-hmm. can kind of smooth out the flavors and yes. kind mm-hmm. of I bring more melding of the flavors. Yes. And yeah, it, it rounds it out. If, if you do it at colder temperatures, though, if, you, if, it's, in, if it's in your regular room temperature, it's going to mm-hmm. be too That's warm. You're gonna get, yeah. you're going to get your vinegar. That's right. If you do, so. Which is a delicious culinary <laughs> treat, that vinegar. It's, yeah. it, it definitely do not toss your vinegars. Yeah. You and I, w- one thing um, also, so when I went to this kombucha uh Brooklyn happy hour. I was taken to the back where you guys have your SCOBY farm and all of your equipment. Mm-hmm. And I, I was offered something that turned out to be very delicious. And it was those, what do you call, you call them? The rancher snacks. Is oh, that correct? The, yeah, the SCOBY farmer snacks. Yes. Yeah, they're, mm, they're del- the SCOBY snacks. They're so delicious. SCOBY snacks. So you That's guys right. are basically <laughs> taking your SCOBY mm-hmm. and you're chopping it up. Yep. And then dehydrating it. That's right. Which can be done. You, you probably have a dehydrator, but you can yes. do it in the oven too. Absolutely. And then you... um. Roll it. Wait, I think it was sugar, cinnamon, and chai spices. That's the one that I had. Mm-hmm, there are many variations. Yeah, you, I mean, we we get very creative with them, but they are delicious. I mean, yeah, they're so good. <laughs> I was surprised because honestly, I mean, I I read about people eat, you know, making kombucha jerky mm-hmm. and you know, cooking with it, but but that kombucha, it's. It's pretty weird looking. I yeah. mean, it is a little creepy. Everybody thinks it's kind of creepy, but this this was delicious. It was more like candied ginger. Yep, and, and it's I, got a nice chew to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you guys have a ton of recipes in your in book. book. That's right. And the wow. Scobie Rancher snacks are in the book as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we uh, pretty quickly discovered after over-fermenting many batches and having just tons of fresh kombucha around us um, was that it was useful in more ways than just for drinking and, you know, for, for kind of your energy and your detox drink. You can use it culinarily and it, it really imparts a, a, a rich um, a rich profile of flavors to a lot of different dishes so you know one thing that I think is sort of a beginner's a beginner's um, kombucha culinary thing is to do it and to, to use it in a uh, salad dressing mm-hmm. you just kind of replace your vinegar you might want to go a little bit uh, a little bit lighter on any sweeteners or water that you would add because you may not have a vinegar that's like as robust as like a balsamic or whatever you've got in your kitchen. But uh, yeah, you can use it in a, in a salad dressing and, uh, and you, can, you can go from there into a, a wide range of wonderful things. Like one of, one of my favorite recipes in the book is actually a very kombucha-heavy recipe where I just braise kale in kombucha. 
and it's nice. amazing with with some cranberries Sounds and almonds. Delicious. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's it's. It is. How do I describe it? It it just when you when you kind of when you when you cook it together with all the different flavors, it 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 balances out. It's not just a beverage. It is a it is a it is a backbone for a lot of really delicious meals. Mm-hmm. And you get the the wonderful um, effects of all the uh, all the health compounds that are in there. But I will say that you should be a little bit careful not to make your entire Thanksgiving feast out of kombucha, kombucha. <laughs> because you will be awake. Yes. It's it is still energizing when yeah. you cook it. <laughs> So, um, and you know, in addition to our uh, in addition to our culinary treats that are in the book, we also you know kind of went went down the road of you know how to make it fun for a party. Mm-hmm. You know, so we yes, add, we have a lot of cocktail exactly, recipes. Exactly, exactly. We we developed uh, several really nice cocktail recipes. We like to call it reverse toxmosis when you <laughs> nice. toxify while you're detoxifying. <laughs> Um, it's highly recommended. There's in kombucha is as uh, an acid called succinic acid, which you guys may know about. It, there, it's heavily researched, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of strong um, information concluding that uh, it, that it may alleviate hangovers by by uh, accelerating the process of of uh, acetaldehyde. Um, you know, decomposition, which is which is the hangover molecule, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, so people have been drinking kombucha for a long time for hangovers, and so we thought we'd just go ahead and throw it in yeah. alcohol <laughs> and <laughs> preemptively, <laughs> and it works <laughs> absolutely. Now, I, and I think one of the other things because you, you talk about all of these compounds that have been found in kombucha mm-hmm. and the health benefits as, that have been found associated mm-hmm. with each mm-hmm. of these compounds. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, kombucha is a living, you know, fermented. Beverage. So every one, depending on your SCOBY, you know, every kombucha is probably a little bit different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and everybody reacts differently. That's the other thing I like is that you guys talk about, you know, all these amazing health benefits that you guys have noticed as well as a lot of other people out there. But it's not a pill. This is something that is just great to integrate into your regular diet. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, sort of the kombucha lifestyle in this book. Like, um, you know, it extends beyond just drinking kombucha. It extends to, like, how you take care of yourself and your family and your friends and and, uh, and how you view uh, sort of what you put in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and kombucha, obviously, is, is uh, one, one kind of cornerstone of a lot of different things, like eating fresh vegetables, which is, you know, uh, better than eating ones that have been canned for right. numerous reasons. But. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like is that you guys have beauty recipes in yes, here. We do. So that's one thing I never thought about. <laughs> Again, you know, now I know if I get a little lazy with my kombucha and it gets a little yep. too vinegary, <laughs> I can, you know, blend it back in and go into secondary. But also you have a lot of recipes for like face masks. and That's right. Because, yeah. you know, the, 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 the lining of your GI tract is made of epithelial cells, which is the same cell type as uh, your skin cells. So, for instance, uh, Eric, my husband and my partner uh, in life and in, in the book um, and in the company and my baby daddy (laughs) goes on and on um he has a dairy allergy and what happens when he eats dairy is not something inside it's on the outside he gets eczema like immediately within hours Mm -hmm. it's amazing so so when you're when you're when your gi tract is um is unhappy or when your skin's unhappy when your gi tract's unhappy it sends off hormones into your body and that those hormones are read by all the epithelial cells in your body including your skin right so what's good for the epithelial cells on the inside is also good for the cells on the outside so when you apply it directly to your skin i mean um you can definitely tell after i do a kombucha kombucha face mask because my my skin is is glowing it's it's really clear and it looks like um you know like it's nourished Mm -hmm. in a way that i've that i have not experienced with other beauty products you know 
and it could I, I think that there's something about it being very fresh you know when you, when you have fresh raw robust kombucha mm-hmm. at your house and you're putting it on it's different than getting a you know a, a, a can of clay or whatever off the beauty shelf right, you know, right. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a living thing that you're interacting with mm-hmm. definitely how is a is a home kombucha person how much are you re feeding the scoby and what's the best temperature for the scobies so the, the scobies are best at, at room temperature really um you know the high or the mid to high 70s that area well i'd say the entire 70s range but if you if you get up into the higher 70s and into the 80s you're going to start seeing higher acid notes mm-hmm. in your kombucha you're not gonna be able to control the acetic acid as well um so it's going to taste much more like vinegar before um before it would if you were in the low 70s right so there's a range that it will operate at if you get down into the 60s you know mid 60s and lower um that's that's when you run the risk of starting to get contamination. Um, and it's because the ferment is not chugging along fast enough, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in, if you're in like basic room temperature range, it's really hard to contaminate kombucha because it's just a robust and very, you know, there are so many species in there. And you know how microbes in the environment work. They're in constant competition with each right. other, right? And so these ones are friends and they have their little click going in there. And if anybody comes in there, they're like, ah. Out now, you know, unless <laughs> yeah. they're unless they're like laying on the couch sluggish because it's too cold, you know. Right, right. But the other thing is when you so I should we should backpedal just a little bit and say when you start a new scoby, mm-hmm. you're not only using a you know a tea and sugar base, but you're also adding some acidity in there That's either right. from some existing kombucha mm-hmm. or adding vinegar if you're starting fresh. That's right. So you're basically bringing down the pH in order to a help the scoby thrive mm-hmm. and also outcompete the other. That's right for that first organisms. little for that first little time. Yep, yeah, exactly. So I'd imagine that that also because I so we have our we have this loft and it's very cold in the winter. It's like mm-hmm. in the fifties. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I actually built an incubation chamber mm-hmm. so that I could, you know, keep some of my cultures going in the winter, basically right. with a grow mat. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an easy way, but also I think making sure that your, your culture is acidic enough to start with. Will exactly. Probably help as well. That, and, and then the, the, the third big mistake that people make is putting the SCOBY and culture in or the, in the liquid acidifier in too soon after oh, they've yeah. boiled the tea. So uh-huh. the tea, the tea has got to be brought down to room temperature before you kill your scoby. Right? Exactly, yeah. just like with almost anything you ferment beer, same way we have That's to right. chill our beer before we pitch our yeast. That's right. So. Yeah, and you can't cook your cabbage before you mash it into a jar for sauerkraut. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, you can't kill the culture before it goes in. Yeah. How about light and fermentation? Yeah. Does it affect it at all? There have been. Uh, there's a lot of conflicting data. I mean, I have I've had kombucha sitting in my window. It doesn't have any problem. It's a, it's a short ferment. It's not you know you're not you're not there for six months. UV lights and all of that. It's I would I will say that once it's in a bottle and you're trying to you know uh, ship it around and all of that stuff, you might want to you know keep it in you know in the dark a little bit just because it, I mean UV light is known to break down right. vitamins and, and you know um, and acids and different molecules that are in our food so if you want to protect your food and keep it as nutritious as possible it's best to keep it kind of dark mm-hmm. that would make sense you're making kombucha on a very big scale how big are your scobies and how big can they get? Oh, that's, you know, a good that's a great question. Scobies. I've seen the movie The Blob, and I, I feel like it's kind of what Kombucha Brooklyn is. Beware like. of the blob; it beeps. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's some really cool research being done with kombucha right now, where they're growing it in vats. The, the one thing about the one thing about kombucha fermentation is it does have a surface to volume ratio okay. that has to be, you know, within a certain range. So you can't get into a really deep tank. 
right, and expect to have a nice, robust um, kombucha going. But you can um, you can grow it in like shallow vats. So mm-hmm. people are making like sheets of the cellulose out of kombucha ferment and turning it into things like clothing. Oh, that's it, there, there's a there's a fantastic. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm googling when I get exactly. Home. <laughs> there, there's some, there, there's some great. I think there may be even a TED talk by the woman that's who's really pioneering this. Huh. Um, but you know, I think that there's there's a great future. I mean, it's cellulose. It's, yeah. it's essentially paper, but it's you know liquefied. And yeah. I mean, there's got to be something amazing we can do with all these scobies we're composting. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, other than composting, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, scobies can be huge. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine, I, you know, I, I, I kind of have this this weird back of my head vision of 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 using uh, kombucha production to heat something above it. You know, there, that makes it, sense. it is a reaction. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. definitely a it definitely generates some heat. So mm-hmm. it'd be cool to, you know, I don't know, heat a greenhouse with it or something. Yeah, multifunction. So again, um, this we were here today in the studio with Jessica Childs, who's co-owner of Kombucha Brooklyn and author of the new book Kombucha mm-hmm. with an exclamation point. And it's an awesome book, honestly. If you if you're an active kombucha maker now or you want to get into it, I would highly recommend it. The other thing is, you guys stock a full variety of scobies as well as kits from beginner kits to all that's kinds, right. right? Everything you need. And Everything then you also you have through. classes at the store. That's right. Or at your facility that's store. That's right. We teach classes uh, both at our lab space and around the city at different places. And we're always looking for new venues to teach in. So if anybody wants to host a fermentation, uh, you know, kombucha fermentation workshop, I'll be happy to talk to you about that. Very cool. Awesome. And they're all listed on your website under the events section. That's right. So, that's yep. right. Yeah. And we have, you know, every, everything you need to brew at home, even down to the to the heat mats that you could put under. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very economical. Put a heat mat under it, wrap a towel around it. Booyah. Yeah. And you guys have Done. been great kits. Like, it's kind of yeah. like the beginner homebrewer kits that yeah. we see in, you know, in our homebrew supply. Yep. You're the, you're the equivalent of that for kombucha. Yes, so. indeed. And we have a YouTube channel that has lots of how-to videos, and uh, we have a... Pretty much everybody in our office, our office of about 10 people now, uh, we all know how to brew of kombucha. So you can pick up the phone at any time and call us and we'll be there to answer your questions. Anyone awesome. anyone who picks up the phone will be like, yeah, I can get that for you. That's yeah. fantastic. And everybody that I met that night at the last happy hour was amazingly nice and helpful. So yeah, you guys <laughs> have a great a, culture. Yeah, yeah, it is. So thank you again so much for speaking with us. Please check out their website and the new book Kombucha by Eric and Jessica Child. Yep. Check it out. For men about For men it. About Thank it. you so much. Thanks for, for having me. For men about it. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Battle with 